0: Welcome, Ladies and gentlemen to the service monster podcast. I'm your host Joe Kowalski. Today We've got a handful of topics that we want to discuss, but one of them is about building relationships um, Partnerships with vendors specifically. Why are they beneficial? Why should you care? What can you get out of uh, a well-built relationship? How do you maintain it? What do you look for when you establish relationships with? bad vendors um, and, of course, we'll dive into Smug, some releases coming up. So, uh, Adam, what are, we, what are we looking at today?
1: Yeah, so you and I were kind of chatting about this a week or so ago, just kind of like building those partnerships that we trust, what happens when they degrade, and how much it can affect your business down the road, depending on how big of a blow-up there is. Yeah. So let's kind of start with what you mentioned. Why do we care about this? You know, if someone's offering something that I want at a cheap price, like that should be enough or or why do we care?
0: I guess it depends on the function of the thing that you're buying, right? If I'm getting squeegees, you know, it's now if I'm getting awesome pro high end squeegees. Okay. If I'm going to pay that much for a freaking squeegee, I'm going to want to know that The brand is behind it and there's a good relationship. They have integrity. Customer support might be an issue if something happens uh, and I want to maintain it. If it's critical to the business, like a truck mount, um, a truck itself, um, finances, record keeping, data collection, CRM, things that are core to your business, then you're going to have a much higher standard than you know something that's just a basic consumable that you can get from 20 different things right that is just okay that's a commodity item you can argue price but when you're talking about something that's core to your business if you don't have a partner in that vendor who's also looking out for your best interest or at least aligning your best interests with their best interests um it could it could go very wrong and sometimes you might not even know it. So like the negative effect might not do splash damage to you or your business. Like let's say, you know, your your data just ends up somebody else and they go, okay, well, if our relationship is no more than your data, mine now, I'll base mine now. So it's like, you got to be careful and that might not have an impact on your business, but that's still a valuable asset that you just kind of walked away from and let somebody else take. So I think it's important to look at the value of the thing that you're getting, um, what your maintenance looks like, what the cost is to your business, what the long-term effect of your business, and then judge accordingly. Like how much attention should I pay to the vendor themselves? Um, What standard did I hold them to? And then what am I going to get out of a an established relationship because it's going to take some of your time to do this. Right. Right. And so you want to make sure you're prioritizing and triaging this correctly. Okay.
1: So if we know that it's something that we care about, then like we've locked down one of those vendors that you said are core to the business. Right. What can we do about it? Um, Researching sometimes is not everyone's forte. So how do we kind of get into these groups or maybe there's like a membership, something like that um, that kind of goes into that. What are just some of those things that and owners can do?
0: Well, I think the quick and easy answer that everyone would give here is like, hey, social media is awesome because it's all about refer a friend. And so you can go to your social media groups for your industry, your carpet cleaning groups, your house cleaning groups, and you can ask, um, you know, I'm, I need this for my business or I'm thinking about changing this for my business. What are you guys using? What works for you? Um, especially with a core thing, right? It has such an impact if you get it wrong, and such an impact if you get it right. Especially if you use it. You know, it's like CRM. Everybody's like, "Ah, oh, Service Monster is best CRM?" Question mark? And I'm like, "Well, yeah, but the best CRM is the one you use." You know, and and I will say that forever. And so, if you get Service Monster, you're not using Service Monster. Or if you have another product and you're using the shit out of it, then, yeah, it's going to be beneficial. What you, it's always what you put in and what you get out. Um, so, business relationships are, are no different. So, how do you compare? How do you collect the data? And, again, it, you got to triage it. So, if I'm running into a situation where it's a financial, um, it's a data right? Accounting, CRM, that kind of thing. Um, Or it's a massive equipment, not just a massive equipment purchase, but your business relies on that piece of machinery. And of course, then you can throw in at scale, like pieces of equipment. If they're worth so much, you know, then you have to look at maintenance and life cycle and all that kind of stuff. But you got to do your homework. Uh, And so you can't just rely on the groups because, you know, everybody's going to have their cheerleaders. Um, Everybody's going to have their shills. Um, There'll be lots of genuine responses, but their businesses might not really match up with what you're doing or what you want to do. It does give you a foundation for like, okay, this is the playing field within the industry that the industry has stamped. These products or services are going to, you know, they're going to work as opposed to taking a risk. Like nobody said anything about company X, but yet you're considering company X like, why? Why is no one else in this industry using that product? It could be that they just weren't marketing to that vertical and it could line up nicely, or it could be that they're not paying attention to that vertical market and it won't line up nicely. So you gotta, again, weigh it out. Rely on feedback, but do your own research too. And it goes above and beyond going to the vendor's website. You have to do that. And once you start to establish a short list, like, is it right for me? Is the product right for me? You may have two or three vendors then to choose from or um, brands, product lines, models, whatever it is. And once you have a short list, then you can dive into the research, you know, uh, look them up, look up the company, look on other groups and forums outside the ones you partake in keeping in mind data ages quickly on the internet though so if you find something from 2016 that's like four years old so did the company rectify a bad time or have their have their quality integrity and their ability to do work significantly diminished in that period of time yeah right so longevity is one thing that you you know always look for Yeah. You know, it's easy for us to say right 17 years in the industry but um i you know when you've passed a decade you kind of know okay these guys are whether or not how unscrupulous question mark you you want to be at least they're around and serving the needs of the the group and there are people there are enough people benefiting by their product to keep that company alive so um obviously continue search engines Search, search, search. Uh, it's amazing what you can find on tech companies too, like Crunchbase and all that kind of stuff. As far as like who got capital and who's yeah. you know burning through stuff or lawsuits and that kind of stuff, right? So, yeah, that's you know, it's it's going to take some work. Is the answer? Um, you want to look at multiple sources. You want to try to remove confirmation bias as much as possible. You want to remove cheerleading groups as much as possible, and you do that by overlapping. Right. So it's not just one source because you you can't you can't know which sources to toss. Right. So you got to go, okay source, 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 source. And hey, just a tip. When you're posting on groups, don't post the same message to like five groups all at the same time. It's annoying shit for everybody else. And then we all go, well, which one should I answer? How about none? We scroll right by. Um, So maybe just as a suggestion, you post to the group that you're. You um, have the m- the most respect for to start off with, and then go from there. And respect can mean many different things. You might not have respect for the group, but you know the people that are there have honest opinions about what it is you're trying to do. So that even if they're it's a bunch of <laughs> you know meme posting crazy, sometimes you're going to get your best honest answers from groups like that. So. Anyway, that's, you know, takes work. This is the real answer. Yeah.
1: I think we can kind of uh, go into the next question here, which is kind of what are some of the pitfalls if we don't do our homework and, you know, we choose someone that does go through some of these. You you had mentioned kind of at the start about data breach or or selling data and things like that. And that's obviously a serious one anytime your data is being exposed. So I guess let's, let's start there and then kind of talk about some of the other pitfalls involved.
0: Again, it comes with the vendor, right? So let's say if you're, it's a truck mount, you're worried about maintenance cycles. How easy is it going to be to get someone to fix it? How long will it typically be down when it's down? How quickly and easily can we get the parts? Do I have an avatar in my um, service bay that can get on the phone with Hydro and get that part delivered from uncle Teo by hand if they need to. Right? So that's that's a benefit but at the same time if you look at the other side of that if you buy a machine that you if you buy a butler on the west coast you are asking for trouble because the only place butler is installed or serviced is in northeast united states i think it's boston but i'm not sure um Massachusetts, anyway, maybe. But if you look at the map, it's like black, solid black in the northeast. And then as you get bigger and bigger, it goes less and less and less, But just because of that fact, right? So um, so that wouldn't be good because it would take forever to get parts. Your machine would be down for a long time. No one over here can service it. It's not a good idea. Um, data, it's going to be how secure is my data, how... How is my data treated? Read those terms of service, especially after cancellation. Like, is it, you know, what happens to the data after I cancel? Do you destroy it? Do you keep it around and don't use it? Do you keep it around and use it? Do you just blatantly say, hey, all your base are now? I, you know, you're going to have varying companies doing varying things at varying times too, depending on, Um, who the major decision makers are and what their interests are so you got to watch that too because things can change hands pretty quickly or decisions can change and so then yeah is it worth looking at the leadership is it worth looking at the okay yeah they're backed vc backed so they've got some board directors to pay off and and uh and they've got VC shareholder interests and they've got runway which they're burning through or you know are they even profitable there's no way to know if they're if they're um running that kind of a model um and then you know if they're single owner operator equivalent um what's the integrity what's the model how long have they been around are they growing do they have staff um Cause you can get trapped in the other side too. Like it's harder to bootstrap in, in specifically in the data business, which is this example here. But, um, believe me, I know it takes freaking forever, but you got to have some horsepower. Otherwise you see, what you see is no real company, right? Um, a couple part-time employees, they get together once in a while in Vegas or something. Right. Um, or, um, you know, it's, it's, they've scaled it back to like one person, the owner. And it's just like, that's a pretty fat revenue stream. And if you keep quiet enough about it, you can keep that going for a long time because people hate change. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you want to get in bed with somebody that's on the downturn, especially if they don't have support staff for you, right? When you can't log in, are you going to be able to get the help you need? Um, if you can't post an invoice or QuickBooks isn't, Acting right, like what's that customer customer support really look like? Um, so I think customer support is a big factor that will benefit you, but also if they don't have that, if they're if they're really not looking out for you, it could be a major pitfall. Because if you can't get help when you need it, um, or if you can't learn it enough to use it, whether it's your accounting system, or your CRM, or your truck mount, or your you know bank accounts, institutions, websites, or whatever, then what good is it? Um, so yeah, the, you know, vendors that deliver things on a regular basis, having a good relationship with them because when things don't show up, how, who are you going to call? Who are you going to talk to to say, dude, you got to make this right. Like I need this stuff. My customers are counting on this. Like we, we had this example of yeah. fill my schedule. So, um, at one point someone came to us and was like, yo, you guys, you guys are a blip on United States Postal Service radar. And it would be nice if I could have that cash flow going through my business. I would love it if you bought stamps from me. Sometimes, like we did the Office Max for a while, he loved us for it because even though the company made zero money off that exchange, it showed up in his report of his uh, store. it's like 50 to 80 thousand cards a month right it's like all of a sudden now he's like goes from you know seventh in the nation to like second (laughs) in terms of revenue through his store right so um, interesting stuff there and you know we might get a little price bake for doing somebody a favor like that but when shit hits the fan what happens so we had this relationship with somebody, and they didn't get a roll of stamps to us. I mean, it's ten thousand stamps in a roll. They couldn't. They didn't get it to us in time. And so we were like, uh, "We've got cards on the shelf. Like we need to ship." And so uh, we contacted the United States Postal Service, bought it direct, had it overnight, and, You know, paid the big fee, but got it taken care of. But the company couldn't help us. There was nothing that they could do now theoretically he could have done the same thing that we did and hand delivered them that day but apparently it wasn't big enough for that and so it was like okay well this isn't worth it anymore because if we can't guarantee the del- timely delivery at a consistent price then uh you know what good are you we do it on our own we can establish re- those relationships and do those things on our own so it they're important because they can catch you And it's always when things go wrong. That's the biggest deal. You know, when things are going right, like who cares? Like when it's easy to learn and you don't, everything's working and you're pushing the buttons and it has everything that you need in terms of features or power or, you know, um, work capacity or hours or ease of uh, maintenance, like whatever the, the big thing is, when things are going good, no one cares. It's when things get a little bit rough, that's when the vendors really kind of separate themselves. And that's long-term, right? Do they have the integrity? Do they have the staff? <laughs> Do they have the intention, right? Who are they trying to appease? I've always looked at kind of, transparency is always
1: a big thing, even in like your personal relationships, but obviously on the on the business side, like how transparent is that company and what they're doing? Are they hiding sources of income that might, you know, be a competing interest. Right. And, yeah. um,
0: CRM slash lead generation. That's right. a big one. Yeah.
1: It's like if, if the data is coming in and it it's also being used to essentially sell to your competitors.
0: Now the irony is not lost on me that we're doing a podcast talking about business relationships and much of the subcontext here has to do with my distaste of some of the less quality players within our industry. Point taken. Um, but I still think it's a, an important point because how else are we going to prove the point if we're not pointing out the differences between a company with integrity and and that's looking out for the best interests of their clients as part of their business model and uh, ones that aren't.
1: Well, this is something you've talked about a few times, and I think it's a really interesting thing involving uh, venture capital um, investments. Yeah. And one of the kind of common things that they do.
0: Why don't you just kind of talk about the credit card processing? Oh gosh. Yeah. They love this one. Um, so we get, man, we get so many emails either about buyout or about partnership, but, um, but a ton of them on partnership related to, um, payment processing. Cause here's, here's how this works. So a VC company can start a hedge fund or start a, a venture capital fund and say, okay, well, we're gonna be processing quite a bit of transactions through this company with all the different um, SaaS companies that we hook up or whatever monthly recurring revenue they really love to go after, that kind of stuff. And they'll force all the users on that platform to go through that one vendor, so there's no choice. Like Service Service is the only one that gives you choices, by the way, for payment processing. Um, because of this, either the, the direct relationship with a CRM or just a little skimming off the side, but the VC payment processing fund is running. It's not a scam or a racket. I want to be clear about that. I have distaste for the system because it's money that makes money for doing zero. So here's how it works. If they establish themselves as a merchant and they're processing enough val- volume for Visa and MasterCard to work with them directly and skip the, the, um, gateways uh, and skip that and they just become a merchant themselves, which is incredibly difficult, especially if you got a large sum of money to start with, right? Then per million dollars you pass through that gateway, what I understand direct from two VC sources is they get 12,000 per million in their pocket, free and clear per year. So they process a uh, a million from other people's monies and transactions, regardless of the transaction fees and the percentages, or regardless of all that, then they get a, basically a paid out through that year, $12,000 in direct revenue. And it, you don't, they don't have to do anything for it. And so they so- hook up that service monster process, a half a billion dollars in 2018 of revenue. Uh, 25 to 30% of that was credit card processing. Okay, that's a significant amount of cash. Anyways, you get the idea. It's a shitload of money for doing nothing if you can get a a good pipeline. And these companies will then buy up mildly successful companies with recurring revenue solely to change the stream of revenue through their payment processing. Um, Some companies do this as a business model. Some companies. some firms do this as just a side benefit, right? Their core could be something else, but they're like, uh, duh, why would we leave the money on the table? Um, and so that's, a, that's usually a big deal. I don't think anyone in our industry is currently afflicted by that specific scenario at present. I know they're skimming because they don't offer anything else besides their processing. Um, so they're getting a kickback on that and you know, people can take that however they take it. Sometimes it's oh yeah, well, so do the gateways and so do the merchants. Everybody gets a kickback because they're part of the processing arm. So, okay. Yeah, fine. Um, service monsters never done that. Not saying that we won't do it in the future. Again, there's a lot of money on the table there, but we certainly won't be, you know, it won't be the same model. (laughs) I'll just put it that way. it will be a much more general version of it. Like, like, Coming in on a mobile device, maybe it's super easy just to hook up the base, and then yeah, we we'll, we take a small quarter, or whatever, quarter of a percent or whatever. But then you can go to your desktop and change it, and then remove that and go to go uh, to a payment process of your of your choice. Right, you so. have the
1: option, and you, you, it's again, it's all about oh, trans- transparency for yes. me. I have no issue with the company who's trying to make more money, essentially, as long as that's obvious how that process works. That's That's right. right. And it's
0: not. But the credit card process is so weird anyways. I mean, I had to write multiple blog posts to kind of untangle that mess. Like, what's the difference between a gateway and a merchant and when they're both? And they, you know, they don't like, you don't need to know about the complexities and, you don't, you don't pay attention. And so, you know, and what's your rates? Well, I don't know. Mid-qual, low-qual, high-qual. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Like there's a lot of information out there. If you don't get it and understand it, then you're not going to have a prayer of comparing rates from one vendor to another. Um, And then if you're swiping versus keying and all that kind of stuff plays into it. So it's a very complex issue. I get it. Um, So they wouldn't necessarily want to add to the complexity by saying, Oh, you know, all this stuff you don't understand. Yeah. Well, we're taking a little money off that when you sip it to us, it's hard to, wrap their heads around. So I get why they dodge that one, What we won't, right? It's just you do it right. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, and also one thing I kind of wanted to clarify, because we went through a, a lot there, was on the data front, when we say, um, what are they doing with their data? You've, you've talked about this a couple of different times, but just to clarify, what's the difference between using the metadata like uh-huh. for analytics and actually you know, taking the real user data.
0: Yeah. So there's data about data, which is what we call metadata, which would be like how many total number of customers, how many total number of dollars, average invoice, uh, best hour of service, right? Like we can crunch that kind of analytic data very easily. And that's, there's nothing specific about that. There's no individual customer. There's no individual, what we call tenant or our client. There's no individual record to point to where you can then extrapolate contact information or information about an individual or behavior or anything like that. Um, This is just a data point that says, oh, look at that. If you take all the invoices and divide them by uh, how much dollars they are, here's the average of them across the entire United States of America carpet cleanings 248 2018 by the way in case you're curious new data points coming out as soon as we're confident that the users have closed out last year's invoices which doesn't usually happen until after tax season (laughs) they have to update last year's stuff in order to get their taxes and books in order so we usually wait to do so but look look out for that the benchmark survey is gonna be a good one this year Um. So that's metadata. And, you know, I will give all the platforms courtesy on metadata because it's using their platform, right? It's just a uh, cost of doing business on that. And it, there's no way that data can affect your business in any way, no matter how it was used or how it was leaked or how it was published. Your actual data is wickedly different. So you work really hard to acquire leads and establish relationships with clients and capture information about them. And your business owns that effort, no other entity, regardless of where you put it, where you store it. Um and it gets it gets tricky, you know, about it's slowed down if I think about it deeply, but it used to be once or twice a year, I'll have to play King Solomon. Where they'll call us up. One person from a company will call us up and say, someone stole my data. And by someone, they mean someone in their company. It was a business partner. It was a brother. It was a office manager. It was a technician. And they're locked out or someone's claiming ownership. And until we know what's going on, I shut the whole thing down. I go, oh, really? Um, okay, until I have a conversation with both of you, I'm just shutting this thing down. Uh, shutting it down your access. That usually prompts conversation really quickly. Uh, and then I, it's within 15 minutes of a conversation in a high stress environment like this. I, I have never had a problem going, okay, I am so reasonably sure that this is the individual that's in the right. And this isn't, a, but it doesn't matter because we have our policy and our policy is the one who owns the data is the one who pays for the data And so whoever's on the credit card and this has got you know, we've nobody's been burned directly by this policy. Um, So I want to be careful with that, meaning that the office manager didn't decide to start paying for it. And then she took it over because, you know, that it's kind of an account establishment, long history of time that makes it easy to put together like, oh, yeah, the last two months out of a two year, you know, Susie Jones decided to start paying for it. yeah, that's not gonna fly. Um, but whoever we recognize is, this is big in the corporate relationship too, right? Because corporate pays the bill, they own the data. And Chemtri is very clear about this. And they've been very clear before Service Monster was ever a thing. And so we recognize Chemtri as a data holder unless you pay us directly and then you're the data holder. And then things can get weird sometimes. Um, and we sort through them. It's not a not a big thing. Um, but that's your data has nothing to do with us. So we don't use it, permit the use of it, sell it, um, market to those people, which is a big, people say it's gray area. It's like, well, they're not stealing it. They're just marketing to them. What? And you think that's cool? Like, okay. Like if you're cool with that, as long as you understand transparency, right? Right. That's fine. Um, but I just think it's a bad, just a bad overall business practice. Like, your customers figure out pretty quick. So I'd be very cautious, read your terms of service, go through that, make sure you go through it all because you could have a section that's like, you know, subscriptions, subparagraph, then you own your data. But what happens when you terminate? Because it's no longer a subscription, so that subsection may no longer apply. And there might be a termination subsection that says, okay, you know, we're not going to delete your data. We're just going to use it. Or they may not say anything, in which cases there's a question mark there. Like what? So just question them on it. Talk to them about it. They give you a really shady flyby response, man. That's raising warning flags. Because um, again, it's about, you know, the aligning the business's best interest with the people that they service. That's important. Yeah. Um, and that's just not, not, not the way to do it.
1: Yeah. I think you mentioning the warning flags there is, is, a perfect example. And this can go, you know, your personal lives, your business lives, whatever those warning flags are there uh. and you need to be actually listening <laughs> totally. to them. Here's just like a really quick personal kind of anecdote for me is that, uh, Wells Fargo, like, so I've been banking for with Wells Fargo for like 20 years or whatever the heck I started back in eighth grade. Um, And it was just easy, right? Like, you know, they're nationwide. I I have home, or I have family back in Colorado, so when I go back, it's easy to use ATMs and banks there. And I was just kind of ignoring some of these things that were coming out about Wells Fargo. So back in 2016, if you guys aren't aware, had this big scandal about, they were creating fake accounts basically so that the-
0: You're cooking the books. Right, so that
1: the people who were in the, like the bank staff, essentially the office staff, could reach the metrics that they were being basically pushed on and when that first came out i was like oh that's bad but it didn't happen to me so just kind of let it go and that's a huge red flag just right there oh no the next one comes out like I don't know, six months a year later they got fined again for the exact same thing and that's when it's kind of like a okay they're clearly not you know they're, they're, there's there's no contrition there like they're not really worried about changing how they operate yeah. and so that's when i started looking you know for for a credit union and things and i found one here in town that worked well and. Yeah, it's not quite as simple as just rolling up to a Wells Fargo when I go home. Like they have a network that is across the nation, so I can't find something. You know, that it got to a point where it's like, okay, I ignored the red flags. They went far enough that I thought that at some point it's going to affect me. And if I'd waited longer, for all I know, it, you know, it could have. Right.
0: Could've. And that's a good point, too, being control and master of your own destiny. So yep. if you start to see things or things start to feel weird, or you're starting to be like – and this isn't about green pastures. Again, the best product's the one you use. The best product's the one that makes you money. Um, but if you can control the timeline, if you can control the scale, if you can be like, okay, that's it. I'm just not sure I want to do business with the company anymore – And then work an exit strategy that makes sense for you and your business. I think that that'd be why, especially if there's a decent alternative. Sometimes there's not, right? Sometimes a lot of these businesses that are early comers, um, first to market, they can command a much larger price, puts them in the driver's seat for a lot of stuff. It's just a really good position to be in and you can take advantage of that. Um, and then, of course, where else are you going to go? So, I mean, do you need the service or product or not? Um, but generally speaking, you're going to have op- alternatives, you're going to have choices. So,
1: yeah.
0: All right. I think that's kind of all I got. That's ah, an editing nightmare. Sorry, Justin. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll make it
1: work. <laughs> so, let's kind of move on to the service monster update. We actually have a lot of things. Um, just last week, we had 6.4.6 release that was primarily focused on the social media icons. You can even make, you know, custom social media icons for the ones we don't have really, it makes it a lot easier for brand new users to just come in, you know, fill in their information and it's it's good to go, but it's going to make, you know, for all the existing users, that much easier to make new templates down the line.
0: Yeah. So let me just back up for a second. So um, if you have an email template that you send out to your clients and in that email template at the bottom, you put in all of your social media icons and links that you can click to go to Facebook or click to go to LinkedIn or Google review or whatever. Um, If you have one template, no big deal. You just go put them in and you're done. But if you have two templates and you've got this all over the place. And what you end up doing is copy and pasting. If you're smart, that's that snippet yep. into the, each one of your th- templates. And then if you update it or something goes and you want to add one, then you got to go through this whole process again. Instead, we have these uh, social media icon templates that allow you to establish the image that you're going to use in the link and then place that into your email template as a data tag. And that way, there's one place to go, one place to update the list, one place to kind of just say, okay, this is where it's going to be. This is how it's going to look. This is how I'm going to maintain it. And it makes it super dead dumb easy to do it from that point forward.
1: Yep. Perfect explanation. Um, we actually had some great feedback too in Smug when it first came out. Like, just he was out for 15 minutes and he was in there playing and he kind of solved everything. So that, yeah. that was, that made me super happy. To yeah. That.
0: Super easy to use out of the gate. Um, but yeah, we had, we had a couple, we had like a little bug. There the image his resolution or something. thing that we got fixed in like, yep. like 10 minutes. Yep. Yep. Um, there's also another small
1: release that's coming out this week or to be like when this is released, kind of, it'll be right there, um, to have the laborer
0: role. Available. Yeah, labor rule is exciting because what that will do is uh, they can't log into 6 uh, and they'll log into mobile with a very limited – basically it's a living route packet without any totals or the ability to do anything that includes totals. So they can't email, they can't do signature, they can't do the stuff that allows them to look at an invoice, but they can see the information and the work and the service items and you know the work that they need to perform – aware that's located the customer's contact information that kind of stuff um so i know maid services have been on me about this for a while now uh, this is where it's primarily going to u- be used when you have somebody who's more of a technician which is why we have named it labor versus technician no offense to the employees doing the work that is now called labor in the role loadout although they should never see it um, technician is usually more educated you hold them to a higher standard they they usually process the money in the check and the upsells and so they have to see the totals and they have to know what the customer's making and the company doesn't care. But for janitorial services and um, house cleaning services, residential house cleaning services, a lot of times I don't want these people seeing the totals on the invoice. Yep. So you now if they're commissioned or whatever, obviously that's going to be different, which you give them the technician role for that. You're good to go. Yep. Um, we also have a mobile
1: release. We've been chatting about it for a little Ooh, while. that's a good one. Um, but, yeah, the new release, there's a couple of Sites revision. Sites revision, exactly, on both the uh, quick ad. When you're you're adding and selecting the sites, you can search for them. It's all over the place, all on the order over, screen, on the account, on the account screen, screen, on the screen. quick ad. On, yep.
0: Yeah, it's good. So,
1: and there's also some, some pretty solid, uh, either, either small features or just little bug fixes. That so too. those
0: of you who deal with a lot of sites or have made mistakes during the quick ad, uh, with the wrong cider, you know, inability to add one on the fly, like all that's been addressed. So, hoorah. hoorah. Brian's done an amazing job that. I shouldn't have really said that because I haven't been in the military, so I really
1: can't. Neither have I, <laughs> but I love to tip my hat. <laughs> my dad was. He yeah. was Air Force. My, pretty much my whole family was down to me. I, yeah. I guess I failed there. Um, <laughs> the next thing to mention is the Cleaning Podcast. There's a new episode. There uh, is. And- yeah, it's
0: about truck mounts so you guys might want to take gander that that was fun we got doyle bloss he's been in the industry for if you don't know who doyle bloss is and you're not paying that much attention uh he's the vp of marketing at hydromaster um and before that it was interlink um and before that steamway for like 20 years so he knows the industry he knows truck mounts he knows the whole history of truck mounts we didn't get too much into the history history which would have been nice but um Yeah, you guys are interested to go check that out. A lot of basics about truck mount units and what they can do, but also gets you thinking when you go back to those basics, because I don't know what it was, but halfway through that podcast, all I could keep thinking about was a Dremel tool hooked up to my truck mount. Cleaning the shit out of everything. (laughs) Like getting that heat on there and like those (laughs) agitation and sucking it back up. I'm like, huh cleaning stuff like not just for carpets anymore and i know that doyle and i had a separate conversation later you know there's there's a whole um industry out there trying to throw money at figuring out how else you can use truck mounts for more detailed stuff within the home so i think that's coming Anyways, I just kept, that's all I can think about is this Dremel tool, like going around sucking things out of crevices and, you know, can you imagine? (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, go check that out. Um, Next one is with Paul Lucas and we're going to focus on rug cleaning. Oh, no, don't do that. Not on the rug, man.
1: Cool. Yeah. And again, if they want to check that out, thecleaningpodcast.com.
0: Thecleaningpodcast.com. Or your major kind
1: of podcast outlets. That's right. Um, lastly, we have the, the new Grossology contest. Oh, which I was supposed job. to use like there's like six
0: exclamation points on that. So. I know it's so it's so cool. So um, yes, we're having a contest and there's a giveaway. So Gary Heights got this light that everybody's raving about. So we're gonna give away one of Gary Heights lights. And here's how it works. So you're gonna capture a video. Um of your waste disposal. Category threes are not welcome. I don't wanna look at your poop, (laughs) seriously. And we're not gonna be distributing that. So no category threes, if I haven't made that clear. Um, But when you're disposing of your waste, like whatever gross shots and gross videos, we want videos that you you can uh, give us, a little commentary or something about how this is, you're pulling this out of people's homes. So you can turn it on a little marketing for yourself, right? So not only is an assignment that will benefit your business because we want you to post these on your social media outlets. So on Instagram and or Facebook, when you do that tag service monster, so you have to use at service monster, right? Make sure you get the right one. It's the one with 12,000 likes, 12,000 followers, not any of the other ones, (laughs) just a couple other ones out there. I was like, I got five people on it. Um, (laughs) None of those. Uh, but tag us and then use the hashtag. What? What, Michael? What's the hashtag we're using? Service Monster Grossology contests. Oh God, I can't spell grossology. How do you expect these people to spell grossology?
1: I mean, it's it's that's why it's a specific thing.
0: All of you can spell grossology. I have faith. Yeah,
1: that's it's it. You just co- can copy it from the. the so just copy it.
0: Okay, so service. You can go to our Facebook. Page and we'll have or Instagram and have instructions there, and then the hashtag Service Monster Grossology Contest. Okay, very cool. Uh, and yeah, so we're going to pick three, three of the top finalists, and we're going to do a blog spot on them, right? Showcase the video, showcase their company. Backlinking is great. This is great for backlinking. Um, ask Gary Height. <laughs> uh, he had the viral video in 2016 a uh, tile and grout, first viral video in our industry. It had 12 million views at the time. Oh, my gosh. Well, just wait. Then he sold the rights to distribute it to some of these other companies, um, and they just kept repeating it. Like every time they show it, it gets 12 million. It's like that's really weird, interesting stat, but that's what these curation companies, they know they can do this. When they get something that goes viral once, they know it can go viral again. Um, just got to get to a different audience. So, anyway, so Gary Height's providing the light, which will be given away to the top winner of those three. So, grossology, baby. Grossology.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a show on uh, Nickelodeon. <laughs> the uh, Yeah, so we'll just jump into smug here really quick to yep. kind of close things off. Um, to start, just a really quick kind of note from Nathaniel, Nathaniel. Um, it's honestly, it's not to toot our horn. I promise. But uh, he said we did a nice job on the last podcast. Yes, and I really wanted to kind of highlight the fact that the feedback that we get, positive, negative, if you have details, whatever that might be, we we do appreciate for that. the
0: podcast. Yeah, because yeah. we don't get a lot of feedback. No. Every once in a while, we, I mean, people. You know, I see people in person. They're like, "Oh my God, we watch your stuff and it's so get." Okay, well, it'd be nice to know that, like, because <laughs> right? we get it every once in a while. YouTube, you know, post a YouTube thing or or post a. Um, but, yeah, whatever feedback you have helping us help you would be great.
1: There's also another little interesting bit of feedback there. Do you want, should, we, should we chat about that? Yeah.
0: Um, and you guys can go ahead and, you know, uh, um, I want to say this, dogpile on this if you want. Uh, let me know because I actually have only had this conversation three times since we've started creating content in 2016, which is my language, my PG-13 potty mouth um that's a tough one because i'm i'm very big on not changing because of a camera or a microphone when i went in at 25 years old to the board of directors of the fortune 500 company autozone and told them that the subsidiary i was working for here's what we needed to do in order to make this project a success i didn't curb my language there either um because I get that question. Well, well would you do it in a more business environment? It's like Yeah. And then when I'm asked to, sometimes I'll let it slip and it'll have to be a little joke or whatever. I curate what I say, but words have meaning and they're effective. And so yeah, I I sometimes will use some uh some PG thirteen words. Right. I very you very rarely drop the F bomb on camera or on stage. I don't I don't know if I ever do. I okay. wouldn't say ever, ever. Ever, ever, but I mean, it would be—you'd have to catch me on it, and I wouldn't remember. You'd be like, "Look here," I'll be, "Oh my gosh!" In the office, it's a little bit. I mean, I'm not from New York, so I'm not, you know. But that's just my authentic me, man. Yeah. No, I think think so. I apologize if if I offend you, and let us know. I mean, Michael will make me curb it, or at least make Justin beep it out if enough people start ragging about. Well, he just shrugged, so maybe, maybe not. I mean, if like fifty, if fifty people showed up. And said, "Okay, yeah, right." So again, make
1: me. Sometimes I always <laughs> wonder when I
0: hear a beep, like how serious was the beep? You know what I right, mean? Right, like, right. Like was it was it a serious? Well, you know, I got I got a, a post deleted, an Entree Joe post that already within six hours had something like hundred and twenty something likes deleted because I said Hell's Valley. It's like okay, like, like I'm not judging people judging me or. More specifically, not judging, but saying, "I'm sorry, I can't consume your content um, because it's not. I have kids in the car, or right. like I'm not. I don't want to put that kind, those kind of words in my life. Like I get it, um, and and if that's your decision, then yeah, I'm sorry. I you know don't mean to offend you, and I get it. It makes me sad, but um, would I curb my behavior eventually? Um, it just feels ugly." It's just not something I usually do. So um, again, I've, we've had the conversation three times and very respectful for those people who you know were offended um, and understand that they're not going to pay attention to us or me anymore. Um, they, that comes at a cost. And you know I'm responsible enough for my actions to know that we're going to pay those costs. And if the costs become too great, then I can be moved, I guess. You will get the more nice business version of Joe. So, anyway,
1: yeah. All right. So, the next one came in from Toby was wanting love some. Toby. Love Toby. He's great. Um, asking about handyman or general uh, contractor business, yeah. trying to get some
0: feedback from the group. Um, there's not any, just Toby, just to let you know, there's no handyman in the group. There might be people who have some handyman stuff on the side, but like as a general business, right? Because we haven't focused on that specific vertical market, which is an extremely difficult one to focus on. Because then when you go from handyman to a general contractor, I mean, you're, are you a handyman anymore when you have two employees, three employees, or you're in the office? right are you so it gets it gets weird fast that particular industry is odd but service monster can be used for any service industry there's nothing innate about it that makes it unique to carpet cleaning window cleaning pressure washing or home services Um, i will say that you know each vertical market has its own stuff so electrical and plumbing and hvac there's stuff that we could do better for them but the stuff that we do we do way better than the vertical players in there but those things are important because they're part of the everyday operation of those specific companies right it's their workflow that yeah totally and that's why some of these kind of we serve everybody service companies um they can only last for so, so for so long when you're first getting started sure but when you grow and changing crm is such a nightmare but when you first get started you know you can use pretty much anything that you can schedule jobs and process invoices with as your business grows as you get more complex you got to move and if you're not in a crm from day one that you're going to lose data there's just no no question about it can you get the general lists and address information contact information yeah sometimes the invoice history depending on where you're coming from and where you're going to or where your data is housed and where you're going to if you're in quickbooks you're good to go in most cases most companies will be able to do imports from either QuickBooks Desktop or QuickBooks Online. Actually, I just lied. I take it for granted because Service Monster does both QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Online, along with a number of custom data imports from competitors. But I think we're the only one who does QuickBooks Desktop. Most everybody else is QuickBooks Online. or might have something. Anyway,
1: um, yeah, I, I couldn't say for sure, like on camera. So
0: yeah, very good. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Toby. Refer away, my dude. And make sure you're getting that free month of service monster if he signs up.
1: Absolutely. Uh, The last one comes from Thomas. Uh, He's talking about using iPad and and the app. And there's a big discussion chain that came up from the technician app. Yeah. And so there's some really good feedback in there um, about maybe a couple of things that still want to get buttoned up or so on. Yeah. It seems
0: like there might be a couple of things that we're missing um, from a workflow point of view um, that we didn't cover in technician so I know you talked to Ethan and Brian about that yep um, which is great so we appreciate the feedback guys that was great technician will be going away but you know I'm not going to kill it while you guys are screaming oh god please don't kill it right um, because if it's a critical part of your business then you know we'll leave it up I mean it's confusing for new users but we're not pulling in credible leads directly from the mobile platforms right now anyway so I don't care yeah, yeah and most of those we can kind of get them
1: on the right platform if we catch it on the first yeah. couple. And
0: Technician's days. a great product. Yeah, it, it proved the technology and the process and the mindset that we had to then build this the app that's out there now. Yep. Which just destroys mobile three. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. All right. That's all I got, Joe. Cool. Thanks a lot, guys. Remember, catch us on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Go like and share. Feedback. Feedback good. We do love feedback. Yeah. Take care, guys. Bye.